free people will never remain free if they are not willing, if need be, to fight for their vital interests. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Grace Calloway and pass the ammunition. Restoration Hour with Pastor Eli James. Uh, to par- paraphrase Ronald Reagan's words, uh, Israel is not the solution to our problems. Israel is the problem. I have the pleasure of introducing Mr. Fred Leuchter to our show today. And I don't know how to pronounce it in English. <laughs> it's a difficult one to pronounce it, but in German it's easier. Leuchter. L-E-U-C-H-T-E-R, Leuchter. But I don't know how you pronounce that in English, Fred. Lucher. Lucher. L-O-O-T-C-H-E-R. The T is silent. The T is silent. Okay. But as I, well, you know. When my grandfathers came into when my grandfather came into the country, uh, I suppose he had some uh, Irish uh, person who was filling out the paperwork. He came in through Boston, but before the turn of the before the turn of the twentieth uh, century. century, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, and uh, I suppose he didn't know how to pronounce it either, so he he didn't notice the T. He just called it Lucha, and my uh, grandfather said that'll work, right? And I, right. That and that worked. But uh, uh, I, I'll answer to Leuchter, I'll answer to uh, Lucher, I'll answer to to Luchter, but All I right. won't answer to some of these other things, Luther and Lecter. <laughs> right. Lutcher. I don't answer to that one. Thanks. No, I, I bet you don't. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. So you and I had a couple of very interesting discussions before today's show. And uh, because I, I assume most of the time that you're on the air, and of course we're live, and I suppose sometimes you're pre-recorded, that you talk about your engineering work and the Holocaust and uh, the the lack of proof that you found for any gas chambers at Auschwitz. Uh, just quickly, did you find any proof at any other, or you know, did you do any other place besides Auschwitz? Uh, yeah, I I did uh, Auschwitz, I did Birkenau and Majdanek on the first trip, uh-huh. and then I oh. on the second trip I was sent to Dachau, uh, Hartheim Castle, and Mauthausen, and mm-hmm. there were no execution facilities at any of the locations. Uh-huh. I I did find I did find a phony gas chamber, and I say phony <laughs> because it, it this was intentionally built by Eisenhower. And it was built to defraud the uh, American people. By Eisenhower, no less. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Uh, when I got there, uh, uh, I walked into this area that, that marked it. It says it's a gas chamber, but it was never used. Uh, they sent all the people that they were going to execute, which they decided not to execute them, and this is a Dachau. They shipped them to Mauthausen. Now, Dachau had a nice big room. It was all ceramic tile, and it was actually it looked like a hospital. And it, it even had phony shower heads in the ceiling that were just pieces of tin that were sorted with a bunch of holes punched in them. And they said sometimes we they used to, they were set up so they could put gas out or water out. So they could give you shower and gas you at the same time, which is just plain foolishness. 
But anyway, they sent all their people to Mauthausen, and at Mauthausen, they had a closet, which was uh, something like 8 by 10, mm -hmm. and uh, why they would do that when I had a nice 20-foot room at uh, at uh, Dachau, it didn't make any sense, but uh, and Hartheim Castle uh, didn't make any sense either, because the, what what was supposed to be the gas chamber there was just a, a stone room, the, the, it was a castle, and well, none of... Yeah, the, the bigger the room, the, the more the Zyklon B dissipates and, and gets diluted. <laughs> you need small rooms so everybody breathes it in, right? Right, right. right. But I mean, the, the room at uh, the room at uh, at uh, at, uh, at uh, Mauthausen would have only accommodated four or five people. Right. Not not four hundred or eight hundred or thousands. <laughs> they kept telling us. No, and, they packed them in there like yeah, sardines. Yeah. Haven't you read the literature? <laughs> it yeah, just is so yeah. crazy. Yeah. All right. Okay. So, that was just I just right. was curious about right. that. But I want I, I want to expand on, on the phony gas chamber first. Okay. All right. Talking about it. Uh, uh, Zundel sent me there for my second report, and uh, and uh, I, whenever I go any place, I bring a draftsman with me. If we're doing something like this, we measure the room. Uh, mm -hmm. We measure it in conjunction with a compass, so anybody coming in after us can locate the direction and set the room up and see what what's going on in the room, where the room is, how it's laid out, etc. Right, sure. And. Uh, and when I'm there, the first thing I notice is that uh, that there's a big vent in the wall that's made for sucking out the alleged gas. Right. And but the problem is it wasn't connected, and it dumped into the corridor next to the alleged gas. <laughs> so you'd gas the people right. outside. Right. Uh, the Germans the gas themselves. You think they're that yeah. stupid? Well, the next thing I noticed is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an inquisitive person, particularly when I got a job to do, and I, I managed to uh, uh, find a step ladder in one of their, uh, in one of their closets. I took the step ladder and I went up it and climbed up on top of the, uh, the alleged gas chamber, and now I see all these cut-off pieces of, uh, of phony shower head with a bunch of holes in them, and I'm looking down through the uh, shower head at the people walking around in the alleged gas chamber. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, it's obvious it wasn't. They weren't connected to to anything. <laughs> they weren't made to be connected. They were just made to look nice. They were made yes. to look pretty. And as well, I say, the room was beautiful, ceramic yeah. tile, tile floor, <laughs> and everything else. Yeah. But right. uh, I was talking to Aaron Zundel, and, and Zundel says, uh, "I have some more information. If you'd like it, would you like a copy of the uh, congressional record?" And when when Eisenhower when they when they captured the camp. Eisenhower brought all the Congress and senators over there, and he showed them the gas chamber. Well, mm. the problem is there wasn't any gas chamber to show them. So uh, uh, how we found this out was that Ernst sent me the congressional record, and none of the dimensions match mine. Uh, uh, and, right. and let me tell you, I, I do know how to use a ruler. Yeah, so, I hope so. At, yeah, at any rate, <laughs> at any, I mean, they're off by 8 and 10 feet. It's not something that's My off by goodness. a point. Oh, yep. right. Anyway, I, I told him, and he says, oh, I, I'm remembering something. He says, you may have stumbled onto something here. I sure did. He had a newspaper article. It was only a small one. It was a, it was a one column, which is two inch wide by, I think it was four inches. Uh, two American soldiers claimed they were carpenters. They claimed they were brought in, and Eisenhower had them build a gas chamber mm. so he could show the senators and the congressmen. Right. Well, 
typically stupid, and the 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 the, the Jews who, who who push the Holocaust story do this all the time because they don't ever think they're ever going to be questioned. Right. A- after after the uh, after the senators went home and the and Congress went home, they tore it down again and they built this beautiful Another one, one. With ceramic tile <laughs> and everything else. But nobody knew what the dimensions were, so all the dimensions didn't match. Right. So, yeah. uh, you know, so, but now, now Ernst didn't believe it, but now he said, now I can believe it because you've taken, you, you've measured it. You know, there's a problem. Yeah. And, and that was it. Yeah. So, uh, so, I mean, Eisenhower perpetrated a fraud on the American public as well. well of course. He's a Jew. That's yes. Swedish Jew. Right. Yeah. 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 Yes. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I, he, yeah. he also, he also murdered all the Germans at, at Rhineland. Oh Meadow, yeah. Two million. Yeah. Two million after yes. World War Two. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, here. I don't know why. I don't know why he didn't bring him to Dachau and use his phony gas chamber. Really? <laughs> yeah, because there was no gas there, right? Right. right. <laughs> okay. Right. All right. So, yeah. now the interesting uh, part of the conversations you I had, you and I had before this today's show, right. uh, are what I would just refer to as your backstory, and. Right. I didn't, as a child, I didn't have uh, any contact with Jews whatsoever. I learned about the Jews from my mother, who was a shopkeeper uh, outside of Budapest, uh, the German-speaking and German-occupied, because uh, the German people were invited by Queen Maria Theresa, oh, sometime in the 1850s or even earlier, Right. To uh, to move east into Hungary because the Hungarian people were not very good farmers and orchard keepers and stuff like that, so she brought a lot of German, um, you know, uh, well, well, what would you call it? Uh, not refugees, but migrants. Te- te- yeah, technicians. Yeah. yeah, right. Who who were familiar with agriculture, and right. so my parents were involved in uh, growing apple orchards, peach orchards, apricots, that sort of thing. Oh, of course, wine. <laughs> Right, yeah. Vineyard, vineyards Slivovitz. on the mountains. Yeah, okay. Slivovitz. Yeah, so yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, peaches. Oh man, peaches. So yes. anyway, so my mother uh, ran a store in a small town called Weindorf in German, which means uh, you know Weinberg, yes. the, the the town of wine, just east. Uh, sorry, just west of Budapest, and so every. Uh, every week she would go to Budapest to the big, uh, what do you call it, wholesale market that was run by Jews. Okay, so she got to know these Jews very, very well, and you know uh, she. Uh, I tell you, my mother never used the word Jew without putting the word stinking <laughs> in front of it. Right, the gestink of the Juden is. Uh, I heard that phrase so many times I could I can't count it. Anyway, she would describe to me how she would go into Budapest to the wholesale house to get, you know, uh, uh, stuff for her grocery store, her basically a general store in, in Weindorf, okay? And so she became very uh, adept at haggling with Jews and actually uh, out, out haggled them because she, she learned when the good times were and when the bad times, or, or when the rush was on, when a lot of customers... That's when the Jews would sell their stuff at a high price when uh, people were coming in from the various villages. And, uh, you know, the demand was high. But she timed it so that uh, she would arrive when the demand was low. 
and she would uh, drive the price down. <laughs> and, and if the if the Jew would say, that's too low, I'm not going to sell it for that. So she would turn around and start walking out, right? <laughs> and so the Jew said, no, 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 we have... Uh, we have product to sell here. We'll, we'll, we'll accept. We'll, you know, uh, give a half. No, this, this is what I'm offering. That's all I'm going to pay. And then she would turn around, and walk out again, and then they'd finally uh, give in and would sell it to uh, sell it to her at the price she wanted. Okay, so that's uh, that's a woman who knows how to deal with Jews. Okay, now you you on the other hand, your backstory is that you grew up living with Jews. Tell us about it. Yeah, well, uh, I lived in Malden, Massachusetts, uh, and uh, Malden was a major Jewish settlement. Uh, the, uh, uh, the area where I lived was just on the fringe of one of the largest Jewish settlements. It was mostly, uh, uh, mostly Polish and Russian Jews. Okay. Uh, it was called Suffolk Square. And they've all since moved out of there by now. As a matter of fact, urban renewal in the '60s, they tore the they tore the ghetto down. I mean, okay. and that's that's exactly what it was. But they moved out to places like Sharon and Canton, and they got high marky muck, as they say. Right. But anyway, I, I went to school for for uh, uh, for uh, nine years, right on the fringe of Suffolk Square. Uh, I, my six years of elementary and three years of uh, of, uh, of junior high school, and uh, I used to go go into the square. I used to buy things because they had stores. They they had meat markets. They had uh, what you'd call variety stores today. And mm-hmm. uh, and uh, one of the things I used to do is uh, uh, when Friday came, I used to go down, and I like a lot of the other. Goys that lived in the area. <laughs> the non- did you, the non- when did you learn you were a goy? Did, when was that first time? Probably that when I was seven years old. Okay, started, you learned early. Started, yeah, when <laughs> I started going to school myself, and uh, and uh, most of them were old, were old school. They were orthodox, and they couldn't even light their stove on Friday night. Oh wow! So they'd, give, they'd give us a nickel or a dime. Once in a while, you get a quarter out of somebody, and uh, I mean, all we had to do is is uh, is put some coal or put some wood, depending on what they had, into the stove. Put some paper in first, light the paper, get the thing going, and that was it. But they couldn't do it. It's not, <laughs> yeah, because it, uh, it's forbidden yeah. on on their Sabbath. Now, yes. did, it didn't occur to them to just keep the fire burning overnight so that they could just continue I think it cooking. Them too cheap. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Right. Okay, right. so you were actually a Shabbos Goy. That, that right. means a Goy who works for the Jews on their Sabbath. Right. Amazing. But, you know, but as I say, you know, I mean, I grew up with them. Uh, there was no friction. There was no interaction. And there was also, I'm talking about back in the, back in the 40s. Okay. okay. Wow. Okay. There, forties uh, and uh, and and the fifties. There was no Holocaust at that point. Right. They, that, there was no, no Holocaust. News, was no news. No news about it either. No. Well, uh, the point is, the Holocaust didn't happen until sometime in the late sixties. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. It happened yeah. on television. It was, right. It was, a fi- it was a figment of somebody's somebody's aberrant brain. Yeah, and, Jewish uh, brain. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. But at any rate, so I mean, I grew up with them. Uh, I used to play with them. I'm done with the Jewish kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
my school was probably 70% Jewish. Wow. So, you know, I mean, I didn't, they were just, they were just somebody else that, that I went to school Yeah, they were just kids. Yeah. You, yeah. you didn't know from Jews. Yeah. No. So no, were your, was your family Christian? Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, English Catholic, Episcopal. Okay. Okay. So at any rate, I, I was, uh, I was brought up, uh, uh, I was brought up with them and I didn't think anything of them. Uh, and Malden had nobody. There, there, there were almost no. I don't. I don't even remember an Asian in Malden when I was uh-huh. in the early days. <laughs> uh, and I think we had we had one we had one black kid. Okay. The rest the rest was was almost all Jews and Christians, and it was a combination of uh, of uh, probably most of the Christians were Catholics. Okay. So what uh, percentage was Jewish, and what percentage was non-Jewish in your school? Uh, probably sixty-five percent was Jewish, okay. so the balance uh, would have been Catholic and, and English Catholic, and I, we had a few uh, we had a few Baptists and things, but uh, but not a lot. <laughs> right, a few Baptists, right? Okay, yeah. so yeah. so so you were a Shabbos goy, and they paid you uh, a quarter at most to uh, put wood in the stove and light the fire so they could cook right. whatever. Okay, right. Right. so what yes. other what other well, incidents, you know, do you remember from your childhood and dealing well, with these Jews? I, I mean, I mean, there were not, there weren't a lot of incidents. I remember uh, we lived across the street from a from a, a small shul, uh, a synagogue. Okay. And uh, and uh, uh, my uh, uh, we lived on the top floor. My cousin and her parents. Uh, lived on the second floor, and my grandmother lived on the first floor. It was a six-family uh, mm-hmm. house, three okay. over three. You know. Okay. And anyway, uh, there was a, a, a Jewish family that lived across the street next to the shul, and uh, and uh, uh, the girl in the family used to play with my cousin, who my cousin was a few months older than I was. And uh, at any rate, uh, I remember one Christmas uh, because. We got gifts from Santa Claus. The Jewish girls started getting gifts from Santa Claus as well. Uh, really? Okay. Really? Really? Okay. I, he crossed I, the I, street. I, he crossed the street and gave the Jewish girls. <laughs> right. Okay. Very right. interesting. Right. Right. I mean, you know, that's called assimilation. Uh, uh, they do these things because they, they, uh, you know, they have to, they have to keep their children as part of the community, and they don't want their children to feel left out. Right. So, at any rate, but I mean, I went through all the way through high, uh, junior high school and 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 uh, and, and grade school. Uh, I went through associating with them and and living with them, uh, except for the fact that 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 uh, that my my uh, interaction with them in the Suffolk Square area, which, as I say, was actually a ghetto, mm. uh, and I, I saw how filthy some of the older ones were. I remember the uh, the uh, Old uh, uh, Jewish women, they would be sitting out in front of their store or in front of their door to their apartment or whatever, and uh, they'd be sitting on a chair and they're wearing some kind of a house coat, and uh, they never got up to go to the toilet. They just pissed right where they were, <laughs> ran off the chair, ran down their legs, and you're standing on a sidewalk talking to this, saying, would you go upstairs and light my stove? And meanwhile, all the people ah, running out of your shoes. Really? Wow. Right. 
Oh, it was a good idea not to wear leather shoes, leather soles. Right. Oh, really? Why? Because uh, because the the, the sops it up. If oh, wearing, it does, huh? If you're wearing ne- neolite or rubber or something. It wasn't yeah. as much of a problem. Right. Okay. But, you know, but le- leather is hygroscopic. It sucks up mo- it sucks up water and moisture, and that's what piss is water. Yeah, of course. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, yeah. so uh, were, were were you able to smell <laughs> the, the, this the stench from the? So they were piss. They were sitting in chairs. Urinating while sitting in the chair, and on the sidewalk. Yeah, on the sidewalk. Right. 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 Well, this explains why when uh, Patton was invited by Eisenhower to visit uh, what uh, I don't know which uh, camp it was, but uh, he invited Patton into one of the Jewish ghetto, uh, you know, houses, and Patton said the, the stench was so overwhelming. That he almost threw up. Right. Okay. So well, they, they say you can smell the Wausau ghetto for twenty miles away. <laughs> right. I don't know how the I don't know how the people in Wausau lived with it, but uh, you had to be down I after why, I suppose you get used to it. Yeah, I suppose you get used to it, right? Right. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So. But, but okay. anyway, I, I went through my whole life all the way up until I went to high school. At 16 years old, I graduated junior high school and I went to high school. And uh, and uh, uh, we we didn't have uh, the options for languages. We had to take we had to take two languages. And in junior high school, I took Latin and I took French, uh, a half a year of French because half a year of French, half a year of Latin, and then a whole year of Latin. That's okay. the way. That's the way it worked. I could have taken French, but I didn't want. I didn't want French. Uh, I would have liked to have taken German, but they didn't have it in junior high school. They did oh, have okay. it in high school. So when I got to high school, I took German. Uh, the 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 teacher who was supposed to be uh, teaching German had had a heart attack, mm. and uh, and he was out sick for the first half of the year. He came back. He came back in the second week of February. He was my birthday present. My birthday is in the first week of February. And okay. I, I was lucky enough to I was lucky enough to get that bastard in the second week. Okay. okay. Well at any rate, uh the the, the, the substitute teacher, uh she uh, she was a, a language teacher, so she had no problem with the German. And uh, I was I went into the uh I was going into the third quarter of the of the year with an A. Okay. Oh. Well, Okay. Well, right. Well, he came, he came in, and uh, and uh, he suddenly showed up one day, and he says, "I'm I'm the teacher. The substitute's not here anymore. I'm I'm well, and I'm back to work." So, you know, they all have these seating plans. It, it was a, a an eight by ten piece of cardboard with pockets on it, and they put your name in it, and that, those those are the seats. Okay. So he was going pulling them out, and he was he was asking for their names. So. A little while into that, he says, okay, where's the boy with the real German name? You know, what do I know, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there. I didn't answer him. So he said, You didn't know you were German, <laughs> right? Well, you thought yeah, you were Irish. Look, the, the, the class was full of Jews. Right. They all had German names. Yeah, yeah some, somewhat German, yeah. Right, Ber- yeah. Goldberg, Steinberg. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Okay. So I mean, I, I mean, so you know, what do I know? Apparently, there are there aren't many Jews with the name Lushta. Right. Oh no, okay. there can't be. Probably not one. 
Oh, well, I don't know. I, I, they can't I pronounce it. <laughs> I, saw I saw something on the internet that right. was a Jewish doctor in Chicago whose name is Leuchter, but maybe he took it. Yeah, could be, right? <laughs> but but any, anyway, so he's going around. About the third time he asked, I didn't answer him. He said, Leuchter, stand up. <laughs> I, you know, I, I jumped out of the seat and I says, I says yes, Dr. Asherman. You know, Dr. Said, Asherman. Yeah, he apparently had a PhD or or a forged one. I don't know which. Right. But, uh, yeah. At any at, at any rate, uh, he uh, doctor of rev. <laughs> forget it. He said, "Why why did you answer me?" And I said, "I didn't know you were talking to me." What do you, I said, "I said I said if you'd have, if you'd have said uh, Fred Leuchter or Fred Lucher, I would have answered you." But I don't know what you're talking about. Right. What do you mean, real German name? So, yeah. So after the class. The class, the bell rang, and everybody's getting their books together. I walked up to him, and I wanted to kind of smooth it out and find out what the hell was going on. Right. I've got to live for another four four months with this bastard. Yeah, right, with this rabbi. <laughs> right, yeah. well, you know, you know, I've had no problem with the Jews yet. Now it's coming. Mm. And okay. It, 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 I'm a, a sixteen. I was just turned seventeen. You got a seventeen-year-old boy that's had no problem with Jews that just walked into the dragon's mouth. Right. You know, and uh, I asked him, I said, what's wrong? What did I do? He started to swear at me. He called me a fucking son of a bitch. Oh, boy. Yeah, right. So in front of the class. Mm. So at that point, I figured uh, I better. That, this was, wait a minute. This was the 1950, late 50s, early 60s? Uh, well, see, it, it was 1957. 57. I didn't realize they used that word in 1957. Okay. He, used, he, he used it. He must have brought it from the ghetto. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, okay. Uh, Please continue. But, but at any rate, at any rate, he, uh, I left. And uh, I, the, the vice principal of the school, uh, whose name I won't mention because I don't want to, uh, yeah. I, I don't know if he'd appreciate it. Get, but, get him in trouble. Uh, yeah. I, I took, I took uh, piano lessons. With uh, we, his daughter and I, we had the same teacher. And uh, so he was the vice principal. So when I got home and I told my mother, my mother said, you got to be kidding. So she called him up and he said, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll, I'll take care of it tomorrow morning. Mm -hmm. First thing in the morning, I go into his office. He takes me down. We walk in. Uh, he said, look, what's going on with you and, and, and Fred Lucia? Mm -hmm. He turned around and he called him a fucking son of a bitch. Oh. <laughs> this is his boss, right? Right. So at that, wow. point, at that point, he said, Fred, let's leave. So he took me out. He took me back to the office. He said, look, we're not going to do anything with, with him. He mm. said, uh, he's obviously going to be a problem. Mm -hmm. He's obviously going to flunk you. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he said, the school board in Malden is all Jewish. He wow. said, "We can't even. I can't even make a complaint. I can't even suspend him or fire him or anything." He said, "Because they'll override it." Right. Yeah. So he said, "I'm gonna." He said, "I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, instead of getting an incomplete, he just. I'm removing you from the class, and you'll take it next year." Okay. Which is what I did. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that was my first run-in with somebody who obviously hated my guts, and I didn't know why. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I, I understand uh, uh, what happens here, and I understand how some of these things go. But you have to remember that they're dealing with innocent people, and they have to 
take that into consideration because uh, uh, back when my father was a youngster, they were living in the in the next town to Malden. They live in, in Everett, uh, only about only a three minute walk from where I live now. Mm-hmm. But it's a different. It was a different city. It was a city of Everett, and okay. uh, and uh, at any rate, uh, it was uh, uh, 1917, and we were getting ready to go to war with Germany, or we had already started to war because I'm not sure which month it was. Right. Okay. Okay. But but anyway, one of my um, my father, because his family was his both mother and father were Jewish, they called him a corruption of the word Deutsch, Dutchy. Mm. Okay. You know, they do that all over the place. People that speak English don't understand that, that Dutch is a Dutchman, not a German. Right. Okay. So they called him Dutchy, okay, because he was all German. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. All German, not Jewish. I think you said Jewish. Anyway, he's, no, he's all, pure, pure yeah. German. Yeah, okay. Good job. All of, one, of his, one of his friends came running down and got his mother, and they said, they're hanging Freddie. Hmm. He said, what do you mean they're hanging? So she come down, and about... Yeah, I don't know, eight or ten kids had a rope up over a limb and they had the rope around his neck and they were getting ready to hang him. You're kidding. In, in, no, in effigy for the Kaiser. They were hanging the Kaiser. Okay. But they yeah. were hanging uh, her son, a, a real German boy, right? My father. That, your who father. Likewise, who likewise lived in an area where he didn't, where he had no problem with Jews either. Right. He didn't know what the hell was going on either, except he almost got lynched. Right, almost got lynched. Right. Well, okay, so, yeah, so, yeah, go ahead, yeah, go ahead, finish the story. My, you're, my you're lynching ahead. was of a little, a, a different sort. I just got sworn at by, uh, in front of all the class. Yes, yes. So, okay, well, most people don't realize that uh, during World War One, there was an intensive anti-German campaign of propaganda by the Jewish newspapers in America. It got so bad that uh, Germans started changing their names, anglicizing yep. them so that they wouldn't be recognized as Germans. Yes, and it was funded by the Brits. Hmm. Re- oh, yeah, the, the that, propaganda, yeah. They, yeah, they were the ones that were responsible for it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, because they're controlled by the Rothschilds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But at, at any rate, at any rate, I, I went through that, and uh, I went... Uh, I mean, that's my early background. I I knew nothing, and this this hatred didn't exist yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, there apparently there was there, there there was enough hatred left from World War One, which there shouldn't have been any 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 hatred there anyway. We shouldn't have been in a stupid war in the first place. But that's not the point. The point is, uh, my father got it for a slightly different reason. But I mean, you know. Uh, you, know, you know, he was something at that point. He was he was ten years old, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. At least I was seventeen. I didn't know what was going on. I'm sure he didn't know what was going on either. So, but at any rate, uh, I, after that, I, I I graduated. I went to I went to uh, college, and I came out, and I started uh, uh, and I started doing engineering. But I found, you know, I am I was not at that point. Uh, concerned with the Jews, I right. had I didn't care about them one way or the other. Uh, I had a bad experience with Doctor Asherman, mm-hmm. but I mean, as far as I'm concerned, he was a nut. Yeah. So you know, so I mean, uh, and as I say, growing growing up with them, I didn't have any problem, but I found out later that it gets worse, <laughs> and, and you know now 
Now, you know, I don't dislike Jews. I dislike Zionists. Right. And the Zionists are the ones that I go after. And they're the ones that are promoting the Holocaust. They're the ones that are that, that are causing trouble in the world. They're the ones that are responsible for all the wars. Mm-hmm. And yes, they, right. the rest and the Jews are afraid of them. The Jews that, that aren't involved with them are afraid of them anyway. Okay. I can, of the Zionists. Example, okay. Yeah, as an example as an example, I was I was a, a, a competition shooter for years. Uh, I belonged to a club in Malden. Uh, I, I it was uh, I was pri- I was primarily a pistol shooter. Uh, I'm I'm also still today. I, although I don't shoot anymore because the Jews having put me out of business, I, I don't have enough money. To, it's an expensive mm-hmm. sport. Right. I, I I'm a certified uh, small arms instructor: pistol, rifle, shotgun, and combat. Mm-hmm. So, at any rate, I shot for four years. Before this happened, and I, uh, I shot with a, uh, on a pistol team with a Jewish fellow. Okay. And this Jewish fellow, this Jewish fellow, he was a travel agent. I used to book all my traveling through with him when I went to uh, when I, if I was doing now, work Auschwitz? for the government. No, 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 no? not Auschwitz. No, no. but okay. I, I'm talking about I. I used to go uh, to the different states to. Uh, uh, inspect equipment, modif- uh, change equipment, redesign equipment, uh, okay. all types of execution equipment. Execution equipment, okay. Uh, yes, yeah. So I used to go to the States, and I, he used to be the, I used to have him, uh, I mean, you got to take care of your friends, right? I didn't care that he was Jewish. Right. Uh, I used to give him all my travel business. Mm-hmm. And uh, and uh, I, I shot with him for over four years. On We are on the same team. Uh, okay. And, uh, and before I I went to Auschwitz, and when I came back and I wrote the report, I told him I said I said I was sent I said as a, I'm a, he knew I was an expert witness. I told him I'm an expert witness. I'm going to testify in Canada that the uh, alleged gas chamber at Auschwitz is not a gas chamber. It's now was this for Ansel? Did you yes, testify? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Let's get yeah. back. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, yeah. I need to. Oh, I want to hear about that. But please continue. Yes. So I told him that I'm going up to testify. He said, I don't have any problem with that, Fred, because I told him because he was Jewish. And uh, and uh, and I was told that, you know, the, the, the Jews wouldn't like it. And mm-hmm. he said, he said, he said, I've known you for too many years. He says, he, he, he <laughs> too says, many? yeah, well, no, he says, you're an expert. He said, and, and he said, uh, uh, you have a you have a lot of integrity. He said, he said, I have no question. He says, he says. You're not you're not a Nazi or anything else. So I mean, what you're going to testify to is the truth. Mm-hmm. He says, if you didn't see a gas chamber, it was just because they weren't where you went. All right, okay. And that, that's what he said. He believed yeah. that there were gas chambers, but he he didn't question for a minute that that I had any ulterior motive. He he simply said what you saw wasn't a gas chamber. Right. Okay. Okay. Two weeks yeah, later, he obviously thinks there are real gas chambers. You just didn't find one. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Two weeks later, but he had no problem with me at this point. Okay. Two weeks late. Two weeks later, he wouldn't talk to me anymore. <laughs> and I found out why. He actually quit the pistol team and he quit the gun club because hmm. he didn't want to associate with me. He got a white paper from the Benet Brit that told him that I was a Nazi, and. He didn't have the courtesy to give me the benefit of the doubt that he did before. Well, because you're not Jewish, <laughs> no. right? 
Yes, but okay. also because they're afraid, the Jews are afraid of the B'nai Brit. And, yeah, and the ADL, yes. And the ADL, Absolutely. well, the, the, the ADL is the political arm of the, of the B'nai Brit, That's and right. the JDL is the violence arm of the yeah. right? B'nai Brit. Mm -hmm. yes. Was so, he a member uh, of the JDL by any chance? Because uh, a lot of Jews who, uh, JDL people, you know, uh, obviously have guns. Yeah, I'm sure. No, no, he wasn't. He wasn't. He was. He was just a. Uh, he was a rather milquetoast individual, and and uh, <laughs> okay. And he was a. And you know, he was a travel agent, and because he was a friend of mine, I gave him all yeah. my business. Yeah, I guess in he those went, days, travel agents didn't need to have a a, a pistol in the drawer. <laughs> no, no. Okay. But at, at any rate, that shows you what happens. Hmm. And then, and then further down line. Uh, when I was uh, when 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 they charged me with with practicing as an engineer without a license, and I, I had foreigners that came in to file a complaint because the the uh, the district attorney was afraid to file a complaint, even though he was pro-Jewish. He was mm. he was married to a Jew. Oh wow! And the worst part of it, he was a full-blooded German from the. He was a member of the Pennsylvania Dutch. Oh, he should wow. have been ashamed of himself. Sure, but I yeah, bet he is. But it, at any at any rate, he later went on to become our state's attorney general, and the deputy attorney and the deputy district attorney took over, and and he still was orchestrating them to persecute me. Wow! But he was afraid to sign the complaint himself because he was afraid he was going to get sued because he knew it was illegal. Right. Okay. Well, exactly. What was illegal? Exactly what? You're not required to have a, a a license in any state to be an engineer. You're only required to have a license if you certify blueprints. That's oh, okay. for buildings and bridges. Okay. All right. But, you know, I mean, we our, NASA put put uh, men on the moon, and none of their people are. The minute you get a license, not only are you paying a couple of hundred dollar uh, yeah, uh, fee. Uh, Tax yeah. every year, yeah. But then they also turn around and they look over your shoulder. Yeah. You, you know, who needs that? Yeah, exactly. But as I say, so the bottom line is that, uh, that I, and I had the Klausfels from France, and I know you know who the Klausfels got. They came over, and uh, and uh, a woman named Shelley Shapiro came down from, from, uh, from uh, upstate New York, and they they made an application for a criminal complaint. Now, I'm well known in Malden. I'm very well known because I make electric chairs. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I, yeah, I guess that would make you sort of yeah. famous locally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I used I used to I used to have pens that said execution equipment support with my name on it. Uh -huh. I also I also used to have a key ring that had a picture of an electric chair on it. That said, mm -hmm. Fred Lucher Associates execution and support. Okay, so I mean, I was pulled over in Malden Square at eight o'clock at night one night by a, a, a Malden police cruiser. He's on the other side of the street. He whips his lights on. He spins around and he pulls up and cuts me off. Mm. And uh, uh, he got out of the car and he walked back. I knew him well. And he says to me, "Hey, Freddie, you got any more of those pens and keychains?" <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I said, I'll, I'll bring some down to the station tomorrow. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, no, you were famous. Yeah, okay. Yeah, but, but I mean, that, that's what they pulled me over for. They want some key, pen, key rings yeah. and, uh, and pens. So, Not for practicing engineering without a license? <laughs> no, no. All right. 
So uh, they made application for it because in 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 Massachusetts, if uh, if if you break the law, uh, I can go to a a, a clerk magistrate and request uh, he, he issue a complaint. Okay. He then has to hold a hearing. Mm-hmm. And uh, if he determines that a complaint should have been issued, then he will issue the complaint. Then it goes on to a judge. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. But, uh, you know, I, I, and I knew him very well. And I said, hey, what the hell is going on here? I said, I said, you sent me a summons to come down. I said, you know better. I said, I don't need a license to do anything. He said, I know that, Fred. He says, but this is a hot potato. What do you want uh, me to do? Yeah, it's a Jewish said, hot potato. Said, yeah. yeah. He said, I, I'm afraid. So I says, well, I says, what does that mean? He said, I'm going to issue the complaint. And I said, gee, thanks. He says, I'm going to issue the complaint. And he says, but I'm going to let the judge will dismiss it. He hasn't got any choice. Yeah. So he says, when the judge dismisses the complaint, he says, they can't argue with him. They mm-hmm. can't argue with me. So he issued the complaint. And uh, and my uh, the court case went on for Almost three years. Oh, my goodness. We were two years in the Malden District Court, and then we were another almost a year in, in the, in the uh, uh, Superior Court in Cambridge, which was our county seat. Okay. okay. Uh, now, everybody in the courthouse, including the judge that was hearing the case, he knew me. Uh, mm-hmm. the, judge, the judge told the head clerk, the head clerk, uh, the head clerk magistrate, he said, tell Fred that that uh, I'm authorizing him to carry a firearm in the courthouse. Oh, wow. I, so he told me that. And I says, I says how, do, how do I go through the metal detector? He says, whenever you come, he says, just, he said, just send for me. So I'll walk you around the metal detector. Yeah. <laughs> he, said, but he said, the judge told him that these people, these, the, these Jews are dangerous. Right. And he said, wow. Fred should have a way of protecting him. Now, it's illegal to carry a firearm in a, in a, in a courthouse. Right. But I was authorized by the judge. Mm-hmm. I never carried it, though. I said, look, every time I go into the courthouse, I get, I get four cops in front of me, six cops in back of me, and one cop on each side of me. Right. I said, there's no way anybody's going to get to me. Right. At least, <laughs> yeah, at unless one of the cops is a Jew. Yeah. Right. <laughs> There were several cops. They didn't. They had no problem with me. They all loved it because they were all getting overtime. Right. We had we had cops from Malden and all the surrounding cities. We had state cops. You wouldn't believe the mess. There were riots in front of the courthouse. Wow. We had a we had a fellow who was a uh, uh, he was a, a Hungarian freedom fighter that came over in the sixties. Mm-hmm. He lived in Salem, Mass. He came down in support of me. I had. I had uh, uh, I had uh, uh, KKK people that came up from Good. the south in support of me. I had people from uh, German people from Canada that came down. I mean, I had a lot of support. Plus, the JDO was out there starting trouble. Mm. So, wow. Uh, then it gets better. So this Hungarian freedom fighter, he whips out a, an Israeli flag and he set it on fire. <laughs> oh my goodness! Well, oh, the that made the headlines. Made, yeah, the, yeah. The, the well. It gets better. The JDL waded in, and they sat to beat the crap out of them. Well, the state police, the Baltimore police, everybody pounced on them, and uh, they got they had six JDL people and him. Hmm. And you know, so and you know, he didn't look like much, but he must have been one tough bastard because he fought the uh, the yeah. Russians in Hungary. You know. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, so, I so he beat up all those JDL Jews, right? 
Well, I, I, they, I mean, what's he going to do with eight, eight of them on him? Mm-hmm. Anyway, they, they, they picked him up and they brought him in. And uh, he asked for my lawyer, Kirk Lyons, uh, to defend him. And mm-hmm. he said, I can't do that. He says, I'm here for Fred. He said, I'll have to get permission from Fred and then permission from the judge. Mm. Because uh, uh, it, I'll talk about Kirk in a minute. But at, at any rate, uh, they brought him into the courtroom and the judge stopped by trial. Uh, we were in a hearing at that point. The right. judge stopped everything and they brought him in. And uh, the district the, the district attorney is there. And he says, Your Honor, he says, I, he says, I want this man arraigned right now. He burnt an Israeli flag in front of the courthouse. The judge is up there. Now, I knew the judge well. Uh, the uh, uh, because of because of a, a problem I had, I'll mention a problem in a few minutes with, mm-hmm. with the, a former police chief in Malden. Uh, he took my pistol permit away illegally. Wow! And and okay. I, I I had to take him to court, and he re- he refused to come to court. And the, it took a the year. The police chief to, refused to come to court. Every time, every time he go, he was ordered to come to court, uh, he uh, he sent a, a sergeant, a lieutenant. Oh, uh, okay, a proxy. Okay. okay. Yeah, and they couldn't they couldn't do anything because he was the one that he was the one that, that issued the yeah. order that by permit away. Well, anyway, uh, it was a it was just I was just under a year. And the judge finally said to the sergeant, he says, this isn't going to wash anymore. He said, I'm sick of this. He says, he said, this man did nothing. He said, the chief arbitrarily took his pistol permit away. He's violated the state law and his civil rights. He mm-hmm. said, if he doesn't have a pistol permit in his hand within the next week, he says, I'm going to have the, uh, the court officers arrest the chief and put him in the Billerica House of Correction, hey, which, is all jail, right. which, is, which is a jail. Yeah. He said, until he issues the permit. He said he cannot insult and ignore the power of this court. Mm, very good. The judge, was getting, the judge was getting embarrassed. He was giving him a lot of a lot of leeway. Yeah. But, you know, eventually Too much. Comes with, the judge is, is he's over his head. He said, That's it, you can't do this anymore. So uh the chief refused to sign the permit. The lieutenant did. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what happened. But, oh wow! At any rate, so I knew the judge, and the judge was friendly. Okay. Okay. I mean, you ca- I come up before the judge uh, every month or so. Uh, oh, because of your cases? Yeah, no, no, because I was because I was suing the police chief, and the police chief. Never oh, came. okay. So it you kept know, it kept judge, being uh, continued. Okay. Yeah, and the judge knew the judge. After a while, the judge was talking to me and joking with me. Right. You know, you know, this is ridiculous. Yeah. I, mean, I, I might as well have worked at the courthouse for the number of times he saw me. So right. at, at any rate, so they bring they bring this Hungarian freedom fire fighter in and the district attorney said he burned an Israeli flag. And he says, I want a complaint issued from immediate uh, immediately. And I want him incarcerated. We want to send him to jail pending his trial. Mm-hmm. The judge looked at the district attorney. This wasn't an assistant district. This was the district attorney okay. who was giving me the hard time. The judge took his eyeglasses off, and he leaned forward and looked over the bench. And he says, let me get this straight, counselor. He said, this man burned an Israeli flag, and you want to try him for a crime? He says, that's right. 
He said the Supreme Court has ruled that it's legal and a right of it's it's a right of free speech to burn an American flag. And he says, "You think I'm going to hold him responsible for burning an Israeli flag?" He yeah. said, "What are you crazy?" He says, "Get out of my courtroom!" And <laughs> All right, hooray, hooray! Right. Well, you know, You're a real judge. Little, yeah, yes, right. <laughs> okay. Now, at, at, at any rate. At any rate, when the when the court started, uh, uh, my my lawyer said to me, he says, "I can't defend you, Fred." Mm. He said, "He said I'll lose all my business." Yeah. He said, "I can't do it." He said, "So he says, let the court appoint a lawyer for you." He said, "That's the best way to do it." And that they they won't hold, and nobody will blame him because right. he's he he's been ordered to do it. Yeah, he might well, be find de- found dead in an alley somewhere, but yeah, please continue. <laughs> That's coming. Yeah. I, oh, <laughs> not, okay. Not dead. Not dead. And I, they appointed six lawyers for me, and my each lawyer goodness. asked the judge to be relieved because he said they're, they're threatening my family, they're threatening Ooh. me. So uh, the last lawyer that they appointed, he was also the city solicitor for Medford, the next town to Malden. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he said to me uh, this, the first time he came into court, he said, he said, look, I don't know what to do. He says, they threatened my wife and they threatened my three-year-old daughter this week. Jeez. He said, I'm going to ask the judge to be, to be uh, allowed to, uh, to withdraw. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. Okay. So he asked the judge and he said, I'm sorry. I'm not going to let you withdraw. He says, because he says, I got to do something. I he says, all of the lawyers that I'm appointing are getting threatened. Yeah. He says, somebody's going to have to deal with the threat and just suck it up. Mm, you know, wow. so I so at that point I stood up and I says, "Your Honor," I says, "I said I'm requesting that you release him." He said, "Well, he says, what are you going to do?" I says, "I said I'll appear pro se and defend myself." Okay. He says, "Well, he says, I I guess you, he said I guess I'm satisfied that you can do that." He says, "But the point is, uh, remember what Abraham Lincoln says, you know, said uh, a man who has himself for uh, <laughs> a lawyer, a lawyer who has himself for a client has a." Yeah, as a, with a fool. He has a fool yeah. for a client. Right, exactly. Yeah. At, at any rate, at any rate, so I, I, we let him go. And then in the meanwhile, uh, David Duke uh, had spoken with Ern Zundel, and he said, we get a fellow down here in Texas that I, I think will defend him. And that turned out to be Kirk Lyons. He defended the, the, the Aryan Brotherhood. He defended the, uh, the <coughs> KKK. So he wasn't afraid of the Jews. Right. Okay. So, uh, so uh, I talked to him, and he agreed to come up. He come up, and uh, my lawyer said, "Okay." He says, "He said, that works." He said, uh, "He said uh, uh, you can uh, you can defend Fred." He says, "But there's a problem." He says, "State law requires that you have co-counsel. You're supposed to have a a local licensed lawyer who knows the uh, the procedures and the rules of the court." Mm-hmm. And even though you conduct the trial. He 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 knows what papers to file and how everything is done. Okay. And uh, and it, it's a law. You have to have co-counsel. And uh, he said, but we can't get any. So he says, uh, he says, I am I'm waiving that statute. And I wow. said, I'm allow allowing you. He was the only lawyer that was ever allowed to uh, pra- practice law in Massachusetts without being licensed. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Interesting. Right. Very interesting. Yes. Okay. Yeah. 
and and he the judge was very friendly to him. The judge told him, uh, he says, "I realize that you're up here out of your element." He says, "He says the uh, uh, he says I'm, I'm going to tell you right now." He says, "What they're violating Fred's constitutional rights." Sure. And he pointed out the sections of the Massachusetts, the Massachusetts uh, uh, Constitution. And incidentally, if if it if you if you break the law in Massachusetts, if you violate the code, it's the same as the federal Constitution because the same man wrote it. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, Very good. That it was Adams. Yes. So, uh, okay. Uh, I'm, yeah, but changes, but I'm, all I'm getting at is the basic constitution the same. So he told him exactly what he would have to do. He says, prepare a brief, and he said, we'll deal with that in two weeks. So uh, he did. He prepared the brief. He walked in. He had it in his hand, and he says, I'm sorry, counsel. He says, there's been some changes. <laughs> Man, change. how, lo- how long said, did this case drag out? Almost three years. Three years, okay. Yeah, so, so he said, he said, uh, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to find your client guilty, unless he chooses to appeal to superior court. Mm. So, so, uh, Kirk Lyons looks at me and he said, "Fred, he said we're gonna have to do that because we've run into a snag." And I says, "I know. Remember, I'm in Massachusetts and I know the law as well. Mm-hmm. And I read all the laws that I'm dealing with because I'm just gonna defend myself." Right. So I says we can't do that. There's a statutory time period. If we didn't do, we, we didn't make the appeal within 90 days. He said we're barred from it. Hmm. So Kirk looks at the judge and says, "Your Honor, he says my client informs me that there was a 90-day statutory time period." And he says, "Counselor, he says don't worry about it. He says I'm going to waive the statute. Wow. And he says, I'm going to mock it up for a hearing next week." At the superior court, judges wow. can get away with a lot. Of sure, yeah, they right. can violate the law. <laughs> we can't, <laughs> right. right? Okay, right. Suspend right. the law, not violate, right? Okay, right. That, well, that's essentially what he did. And uh-huh. uh, when that, had, that happened, everything moved to the Cambridge Superior Court. Uh, uh, and uh, oh man, I bet they like that. <laughs> you know, I mean, with all the trouble they had, I mean, in Malden, uh, you know. Yeah, I, I mean, the, the Cambridge didn't want it, and it got assigned to a woman judge. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say one thing. She wasn't going to take any crap. Okay. okay. The first we go in for the hearing. Okay. Well, she, a quick question. Were you being yeah. threatened at all during this time? Yes, I was being threatened. They firebombed my house. Oh. I... Yeah, I uh, uh, I was uh, losing jobs with the states because uh, yeah. Jewish legislators were filing were filing legislation to prohibit the Department of Correction from dealing with me. Wow! You know these Jews that were doing this, they didn't care if an inmate got tortured to death when they were executing him. Yeah. They just wanted to make sure that Fred Lucci didn't get the stuff. And you know, by the time the trial was over, I was pretty much out of business. Jeez! And and. Executions that were taking place where there were problems, I was sending free parts and things so they could make modifications and changes on their electric chairs and stuff, and I was paying for it because mm. they couldn't they couldn't pay it. And I, I'll, I'll get into that a little later for okay. you. Okay. But uh, what happened is the the judge the judge sent for the uh, for the uh, district attorney now this is the new district attorney because my the former district attorney is now the uh, is now the attorney general okay well uh, 
he doesn't come in. He sends a deputy district attorney in, and the the uh, the, the judge says, "Well, I want to see him. I don't want to see a deputy." Well, he, he she said he's not going to come. So, okay. So the judge says, "Well, let me put it this way." He says, "What's going on here is clear and simple. You're persecuting this man, and right. I want it to stop." Right. This case has no legal basis. It doesn't belong here. Mm-hmm. She Very said, good. I'm, I'm ordering you to settle the case, and I want the district attorney to sign off on the paperwork when it's done. And uh, I wanted to go to trial. And Kirk Lyons said to me, we're better off going this way because, uh, because uh, uh, it, it yeah. could get messy. It could get said, na- it, even nastier than it is already. Yeah. Yeah. She's dismissing the case. Meanwhile, there's, they're, they're rioting out in front of the Cambridge yeah. courthouse. Jeez. <laughs> man, oh, man. Boy, you've so, had a really interesting life. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so, okay. So, so anyway, anyway, uh, the, uh, the case, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, what that now means is uh, uh, there, there was a negotiated settlement. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's what they call a pretrial probation. Okay. A probation, a probation is a promise, mm-hmm. and all parties have to sign off on the promise. I have to sign, and the district attorney had to sign off on the promise. Yeah. The prom- and and they make a promise that they will not prosecute me, and they everything will drop. Mm-hmm. I promise that that I will not say I'm a licensed engineer in Massachusetts, okay. which I have never done. Right. I never said I was licensed, okay? Yeah. And, and <laughs> yeah, that's right. And so the I pretext say, was this license business, okay. Yes. Yeah. And if I don't say I was licensed for the, for a whole year, then they'll, the, the complaint will be dismissed, the records will be sealed and expunged. Mm-hmm, okay. Because it's not even a record that it happened now, okay? Right. And all, all parties cannot discuss what right. the content of the document was. Okay. Yeah. And at, at any rate, uh, at, and also she said, because of the engineering licensing problem, she said, I'm ordering that the uh, licensing board who joined these Jews when they made application for the complaint, I'm ordering that they sign off on it too. Wow. And I'm, and I'm requiring that they licensed Mr. Lucha, if he so chooses to be licensed. <laughs> right, okay. He's got to avoid the problem, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I refused. I don't want the license. Yeah, you don't need and it. And I don't want yeah. them looking over my shoulder, so I, I refused it. At any rate, uh, at any rate, it was signed, and the judge said, now, she, she said, I doubt if there's going to be another issue with this. Mm-hmm. So she says, you Good. never said you were licensed in the first place. So she, she said, I'm sure you're not going to say it again. So she said, I'm dismissing the case today. I'm, I'm sealing the record right now on my desk and I'm ordering it expunged. So there'll be wow. no record. And all parties are being, this is in a closed courtroom. All parties are being ordered not to discuss the contents of the mm-hmm. settlement. That was the end of it. And yeah. it was gone. It was gone that day. She did. They destroyed the paperwork. Wow. Okay. They, they, that's when they expunged the record. Yeah. Out. The district attorney's office three days later, uh, through the Benet Brith, uh, said that I was on probation for a year. 
<laughs> which is a right. total lie. Of course. But if you look it up, you look it up, you can't find it. The, the it doesn't even exist. Okay. Now I'm sure there's paperwork someplace that shows there was a complaint issued. Sure. But if you went to look, you're never going to find the disposition. It's yeah. going to say settled or something. Right. Okay. So, yeah. But yeah, but uh, but that took almost three years. And, and so this is in the middle of your career as a, a, a electrocution technician. Right. Right. Okay. And and uh, it uh, uh, I had uh, when this was going on, uh, I uh, I was still functioning, uh, but everything was slowly catching up and building up to a head. I was at a warden's convention in Missouri, and a warden whom I knew well was in the coffee shop of the hotel. Hmm. I came in, I sat opposite him. It was one of these round counters that they had. And okay. I waved to him. He left his breakfast and he got up and he left. Wow. I got a call. When I got back to my room, I got a call. His office called. I got a secretary and she said, I, I, I warden so-and-so asked me to call you. She said, we're having so much trouble with the Jews. And remember, they're political animals. They're all political appointees. Oh, of course they are. Yeah, every yeah. Jew is a he political said, animal. He yeah. Said, he wants to apologize. He says, there's so much pressure. She said that he didn't even want to be seen in the same room with you. Wow. But he did want me to tell you he's very sorry. She yeah. Said, you know, I, I understand. Uh, I was on the, the Donahue show with a, a, a former uh, commissioner of correction, uh, a, an inmate who was, who was found guilty of first-degree murder. His sentence was commuted. He was supposed to be electrocuted in, uh, in, uh, uh, in the state of Louisiana. Okay. Uh, and uh, and the warden of the prison in uh, in uh, uh, Alabama. Now the the warden was not at the uh, at the studio. He was connected on 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 a television link. Okay. And the rest of us were there. Okay. And uh, we were talking. And he, 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 I don't know if you know Donahue, but you know he. I've he, seen he him on TV. Yeah, many times. Yeah. He kept asking me. Uh, he kept asking me, Fred, does your mother know what you do? <laughs> You know, he's a, he's a publicity hound. Sure. And, you know, yeah. So I, you know, I'll fence with him. And I, you know, back and forth. And and they had some nasty people in the studio that did like capital punishment. And uh, right. Oh, and they they had one guy who, when 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 they passed the law for lethal injection, he decided he wanted to do a show on it. He put an ad. This was 15 years earlier. He put an ad in the in the uh, newspaper. <laughs> Executioner wanted. Police, <laughs> This young black guy, this young black guy applies for the job. So okay. he says, these people broke the law. And he said, we got we to gotta zap them and kill them so they don't do it again. <laughs> so they brought him back. Now he's 15 years older. He's white, white hair and everything. He's still the same thing. He's sitting at one end of the room, in the green room, and I'm sitting with the, with the, with the ex-convict, the commissioner of correction, and, uh, and we're down at the other end of the room. Because, you know, he's weird. <laughs> you know, he's got nothing. He's not even legitimate. But at any rate, the mm -hmm. warden of the warden. Oh, he's not the, licensed, I take it. <laughs> right. right. Oh, the, man. The warden of the, uh, of the uh, uh, Alabama State Prison is on the line. And, uh, and uh, he said that uh, he was talking. And he says, well, uh, he said, Fred Lucher is completely wrong. He said, uh, 
we didn't our elect, our electric chair wasn't defective. We just forgot to connect it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, right. If it's not connected, it won't work at all, right? This happened three weeks before the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he said, so he don't know what he's talking about. Now, three weeks before the show, at 1030 or 11 o'clock at night, they're trying to electrocute this guy, and the, and the electric chair won't work. And they <laughs> he called me up, and I said, how the hell can I fix it from up here? Yeah, so I, right. asked, I asked him what was going on. Somebody created a bank of resistance that was that they were plugged in and they, they were plugged in with plugs mm. uh, 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 some kind of RCA plugs that they used to plug speakers in with right and uh, you know some of these homemade things are ridiculous I said take that thing and unplug it completely yeah. I said go back to the power supply and I'd bring the main cable up don't plug it into the uh, to the uh, to the test unit plug it into the chair they plugged yeah. it into the chair and it worked a few days later, he called me back and he said, Fred, he said, I, I, I don't know where to get and I, I'd like some sponges to put on the lake because we got some burning. He said, we think we might be able to. I said, okay. I sent him a half a dozen sponges. Okay. <laughs> I didn't charge him for them. I didn't charge him for consulting yeah. and tell, uh, tell him how to fix the chair at the 11th hour when they kind of electrocute the guy. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Now, he turns around and he says to uh, Donahue, Fred Lucia knows nothing about what he's talking about. There was nothing wrong with that chair. That's exactly hmm. right. There was nothing wrong with this chair. He just did, they just didn't plug it in. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Right. So yeah. But, so uh, uh, you're wrong again. <laughs> right. Yeah. But the bottom line is, he's afraid of the Jews. Of course he is. That's his problem. He didn't have any problem calling me up asking me for help, even after he said on television, Fred Lucha don't know what he's talking about. He said, Fred, I, I got to get some sponges. Where am I going to get them? I said, hmm. I'll send you some. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you know, I, I I work with these people all the time, uh, yeah. and and uh, and they they can't deal with me because the, they're getting publicity and the Jews are pounding on their head. Mm-hmm. You know, I put in a lethal injection machine in the state of Illinois. Okay. Uh, they get uh, sometimes they get these things and the executions that they're supposed to have don't happen. Mm. And yeah. this is four years later. Uh, the uh, the the death house is in the same building as death row. It's a three floor building. Okay. Okay. The roof leaked, and they were too cheap to fix the roof. So all the water that leaked through the roof leaked on and leaked into the lethal injection machine, and it Jeez. wouldn't work. Yeah. <laughs> so they called me up and they they told me what I said. I'll have to come out. So I come out, and I got the mechanical portion working. Okay. I can't. I can't. I cannot repair the the electronic control module. Because okay. the uh, switches, the the electronic switches, the timers, the the uh, the battery, everything has got to be replaced. Okay. The mechanic, the mechanical portion, is uh, is all anodized aluminum and 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 metal. So I could clean everything up with a piece of steel wool, mm-hmm. and I got that working. <laughs> so they they could do an execution by hand by pulling uh, by pulling the uh, the cables. Okay. But it wasn't automatic. Okay? All right. Okay. It wasn't was electronic. So now wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. Now, this is an injection machine. Yeah, or, lethal. In, I, I invented oh. the lethal injection machine. Okay. Why why does it have all of this electronic and mechanical stuff? Why doesn't somebody just use a hypodermic needle and inject it into the guy? How why? Well, because it, injecting uh, 
the syringes, the amount of chemicals that you have to use require a 60cc syringe, which is the largest syringe. Oh, okay. Now, and when you're doing a mainline injection, okay, doctors use much smaller needles, and they, if they push too hard, they rupture veins. Particularly, most of the people that are being executed were pharma drug abusers. They have lousy veins in the first oh, place. They have I see. So... The doctors, when they inject, they push, but they can feel they can feel a heart pumping. They push a little in, it pushes back out. They relax. They do it again, and it goes back and back and forth. If they push it in, it'll rupture the vein. Wow. Well, the the doctors in New Jersey, they were the first ones to pass the law for lethal injection, and they were the first ones to buy a machine. And uh, and uh, the doctors told the Department of Corrections, we don't want any part of this because. We cannot do it. There has to be a machine. He mm. said, uh, even an executioner cannot do it. We need a machine that deals with the blood pressure. We don't wow. know how to make the machine. Wow. That's why, that's why what we an call, incredible that's development. Why call, yeah. That's why we call Fred Lucha. So <laughs> I came down. And the reason why I got the job, uh, because P- wardens and, and commissioners, they're funny people. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, yeah, well. The bottom line is, uh, he was going to think about it. We probably wouldn't have got the job, except the doctor said, "said uh, you know, uh, the execution that they had up in uh, in South Carolina two weeks ago? And the commissioner says, yes, doctor, why? He said, well, Fred made the helmet for the electric chair. Mm-hmm. He looks at me and he says, you made the helmet? I said, yes. He said, turns around to the doctor and he says, give him the job. Yeah, I must know okay. something you're, about. You're qualified. Yeah. I must know something about lethal injection. Yeah, I just, you know, I I built a helmet for an electric chair. They're yeah. not the same thing. But of course that's the not. Way they, that's the way they think. Sure. He knows it's an execution think. machine. It doesn't matter what yeah. kind it is. Yeah, that's right. It's an execution. <laughs> right. So, okay. So any, anyway, any, anyway, uh, uh, they. Uh, uh, I came back home, and they 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 were shipping the the mechanical the electrical portion of the machine to me. Okay. Well, one of the legislators, a Jew legislator in Illinois, found out about it, and he filed legislation to prohibit the Department of Correction from dealing with me, and further mm. prohibit them from sending me my own machine to repair. Right. Now, what the hell did they do? Right. Mm-hmm. And they called me up on the phone. They said, we can't do anything. They're passing a law to pre- pre- prevent us from dealing with you. And the commissioner is jumping up and down because he, he, all of a sudden he gets caught with this scandal. Yeah. And I shouldn't be making this because I I, I said there were no gas chambers in, in Auschwitz. <laughs> right. The reasoning is stupid. Sure. So, we got the problem solved. But how we got it solved, they couldn't buy anything off me. Mm-hmm. Uh when I train people, and I train a cadre of, of, of people in each state to do executions. Okay. I, I, they're trained with both the medical aspects that they have to know about. Right. And the, mach- the aspects of how the machine works, mm-hmm. plus how to repair the machine if they get into a problem. Okay. Well, they didn't have anybody that, w- that was good enough, they thought, to repair it. But the, uh, the uh, chief engineer in the state of, uh, of Missouri, whom I knew well, because mm-hmm. when I was in Missouri, uh, 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 Warden Amantrout gave me 
orange badge too when I installed a lethal injection machine and they were supposed to do an, uh, an injection at that point. They didn't. I was walking through the, 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 the prison with newsmen. He said, Fred, take them down and show them the lethal injection machine. Let them take some pictures of it. Mm-hmm. And I had, I could go anywhere in the prison because I was, I was a, the deputy engineer for the prison. Right. That's, okay. what, that's what my dad said. So, uh, you know, I knew the engineer at the, at the, uh, at the Missouri, uh, yeah. uh, the, the Missouri right. prison, uh, the state penitentiary in, in Jefferson City. So I arranged through him. I sent $800 worth of parts. He understood how the machine worked because he wasn't just a, a repairman. He, right. was a, he was a plant engineer. He could repair boilers and everything else. So he was a good technician. Right. He went out there with the parts and he repaired the machine. It took us four hours on the telephone. Okay. So, so well, I mean, I, I gave the state of Illinois $800 worth of parts. The engineer from, uh, from, uh, uh, Missouri. from uh, Missouri, he got himself a couple of beers for doing the job and a, yeah. <laughs> and a, couple, and a couple of days off. Uh, but, yeah. I mean, the point is, that's what we had to do. Right. I, I gave wow. away... I gave away a lot of stuff, and I paid yeah. paid for stuff out of my own pocket. But I don't want to see inmates. Yeah. I don't want to suffer. Inmates tortured to death. Yeah, you know? yeah. Unlike the Jews who who are torturers. Yeah, it's out, right. and they're torturing you and right. the state's attorneys and the judges and everybody right. else because right. of their vendetta against right. white people. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. And- one of the things that I, I'm, I'm upset about now, and I've argued with the uh, with with three different governors in the state of uh, of Tennessee, I I built Tennessee's complete electrocution system. Mm, okay. Well, the Jews forced the state to modify the uh, the electric chair because they said I wasn't competent to build it. Mm. So they brought the man up who built the Florida electric chair okay. and he he wants electric chairs to hurt so he uses voltages that are too low mm. and they actually it actually boils the blood wow that but Florida did, oh that's Florida, what the, that's what the covid vaccine does too <laughs> yeah, well, right. well at, at any at any rate uh at any rate uh his name was weikert and uh another, another german ch- another german I'm, guy weikert yeah yeah uh, jew Oh, he was a Jew. Oh no, what he was? What, what, yeah. he, he was it's a torture machine now. Yeah, okay. Right. Yeah, ele- electric. He was electrical engineer from the state of Arkansas. Okay. He came up and he changed all my timing and he changed all my electrical specs. So he he, he uses five hundred volts. Okay. Uh, instead of I use twenty six hundred twenty six hundred and forty volts, and I use that because with the voltage drop, I want to make sure that I'm in an area. Between fifteen hundred volts and two thousand. Okay. How do I know this? Because that's what was learned from all the executions that they did in New York. The doctors did them in the when they first started using the electric chair. Mm, okay. I had to research all this documentation before I started. He doesn't care. He just likes it to hurt. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they remember they Sadist. set Jesse. Yeah. They set Jesse Tafaro's head on fire. Wow. In Florida. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I think the voltage dropped down to about 90 volts, and uh, it, Ohm's law defines that, and they actually melted the electrode on his head. 
Jeez. And I burned a spot here, burned a spot here, and burned a spot there, all the way down to his cheek. But mm. it, 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 he modified my my electric chair, uh, uh, my power supply. Now my yeah. my name is on all that equipment. Wow. Okay. What they hope they're hoping that the equipment's going to fail. Yeah. They've used it. Twi- they used it twice, but they want to be able to say, "See, Fred Lucha really was incompetent. It hurt." Yeah. Yeah. And you know why? They, but it was but the they, Jew that made it hurt. <laughs> right. But yeah. It, I don't know if it hurt because I, I, the voltages are certainly too low, but they didn't get as much of a voltage drop as they normally would because I redesigned all of the electrodes and I used three electrodes instead of two. Okay. So you don't get you, – you get a third less voltage drop. Okay. So it doesn't get down as, as low as it did in Florida. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, but so the electrodes, I believe – if somebody says, why didn't it hurt? Why didn't they have a fiasco? It's probably because the electrodes were, were much better. Right. See, okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, this is getting into a real technical area. But you know, I, I know that uh, from my experience in uh, doing house wiring, that voltage drop is usually caused by the fact that the wires are too long and the, the, the source of the voltage, uh, the, the, more, the lengthier the wire, the, the more the voltage drops. Okay. So uh, what, what does that have to do with an efficient electrocution? Well, why does that happen? Well, uh, the voltage drops due to uh, resistance. Oh. The longer the, the, longer the wire, right. yeah. the more resistance. Exactly. Uh, yeah. the, the pro- one of the problems they had with Tafaro in Florida was the fact that, that all this stuff is homemade. <laughs> uh, they, okay. they took four, 14... 14 gauge wire, which oh. you, you, what you use in the house. Household wiring. They soldered it into a circle. They soldered a hatch pattern across it, and then they soldered a quarter twenty. Uh, they used a they used a piece of steel. I would have used brass. Okay. And th- and then they had a they they had a leather skull cap that just sat on the top of the head. Okay. Well, they dropped the voltage t- so low. That when they dropped the voltage that low, uh, it caused the solder to melt. <laughs> when the solder melted, God, the electrode came apart. Comedy of errors, execution yeah. style. Right. Amazing. The voltage, the voltage probably dropped to 80 or 90 volts and then slowly went up again. So what they did is it hurt. They didn't yeah. give them enough voltage initially to knock him out. It hurt. And then they boiled his blood on the way up to get a, a decent voltage to seize his heart. Right. So yeah. Jeez. So how long did this take? I mean, how long should such an uh, an ex, uh, electrocution take? Uh, you know, it, it's relatively painless, I assume, the way you designed it. Yeah. It. The. I. No matter how we do an execution, uh, there are things we don't know about the individual's physiology. Right. If I supervise the execution, and I don't care whether I'm hanging, whether I'm whether I'm electrocuting, whether I'm lethally injecting. Uh, or whether I'm using the gas chamber. Uh, there are things that we don't know about, and 80% of the time, I can guarantee a perfect execution. The other 20%, it's a horse race. There are things going on in a person's body that we don't know about. Right. There may How be much issues. cocaine he has in his blood, right? Yeah, things like that, yeah. There may, there may be issues with the, yeah. with the 20%. But what happens is is I, I normally work with with uh, uh, a one-minute jolt, a 10-second cooling-off period, 
and a one-minute jolt, okay. and that does it. Really? Okay. On the same voltage, which is, which is 2,640 volts after the voltage drop. I yeah. make sure I got enough voltage <clears throat> because you got to seize the pacemaker in the hot. Mm-hmm. You see, I mean, uh, it, you don't know what's happening, but there are three – the human body doesn't want to die. Sure. Okay. So there are three chemicals that we have to deal with, uh, uh, adrenaline, acetyl, uh, acetylcholine, and uh, – and, uh, at any rate, what I was getting at is that, that the body secretes these chemicals. I don't want to get too technical. Sure. The problem. Uh, the body secretes these chemicals to restart the heart, to keep it alive. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You've got to, the first jolt, you've got to drive all these chemicals out into the bloodstream. Mm-hmm. You give it a okay. minute of wait, then do it again. Massachusetts had an execution, I think, in 1927 or 1928, where the guy was pronounced dead. Mm-hmm. And, and he wasn't? 20, 29 <laughs> minutes later, they were called back. They had to re-electrocute him. Wow. I mean, he was brain dead. Yeah. But the problem wow. is there was, there was enough chemical in there to restart the heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The law requires... Heart heart death is the way is is the legal ter- terminology for death. Okay, not brain dead, but heart dead. Okay, yeah. so the, so for how long uh, does the heart have to stop beating for before they will concede that the person's dead? Well, if you if if there's no more chemicals left to restart the heart. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. So uh, it could restart. So they don't know. <laughs> so it depends that, on the chemicals. That, wow. That's right. That's right, but if if you if you you know he gives a fifteen minute a fifteen second jolt, it's not enough. You yeah, gotta, right. Gotta lay it on for you. Gotta lay it on for a for a, a, a for a, a minute, and then you gotta do it again mm-hmm. to make sure you get it all out. And see, the other problem: all the electrocutions that have been done in the past use two electrodes, a head electrode, yeah, and the leg electrode. The leg electrode consists of a of a of a sponge and a copper screening inside a a, a, a leather uh, lining, okay. and they wrap it around the leg and they tighten it up with a with a, a, a strap. And when you electrocute somebody, they shake. It yeah. loosens. It slides down to the ankle. Oh, it loses contact. Wow. Yeah, you really, you uh, you increase the uh, the resistance. Yeah, more voltage drop. Yeah. Voltage. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the problem. I I don't do that. I've got I've got two leg electrodes, so I electrocute the entire body, not just half of it. Right. They they used to put the electrode on the left leg because that's where the heart is. Well, the heart right. really isn't on the left side. It's it's pretty close to the middle. Right. But the point but the point is, uh, you only electrocute half the body. When you electrocute, you have two leg electrodes, and I make them into a leg stock that's part of the chair. And it's slightly forward, so when you tighten them up, the person's legs are pulled into the electrodes, and they can't move. Right. Okay. So, so yeah. So, as yeah. I say, they're held in okay. there, and, and you electrocute the whole body. So, all this Both. is the, uh, your design is to you know, make the execution quick and as painless as possible. That, that's what you're yeah. trying to do, right? Yeah. yeah. But everybody else wants to make it very painful and agonizing, slow death, right? That's uh, yeah. amazing. But, Absolutely but amazing. I, the problem I've got is, is all during that time period that the trial was going on, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, I went to Florida and I testified 
I worked for the state of Florida. And it, it sued itself. It sued the Department of Correction to mm-hmm. uh, repair the electric chair. Right. Uh, that's, that, that's when they did the famous toaster test. They, they, they said that the reason why they had the botched execution with Jesse DeFaro is because they used artificial sponge instead of natural sponge. Okay. And they did the famous toaster test. They took a piece of natural sponge, they wet it, put it in a toaster, and it... <laughs> And it didn't burn. Then they okay. took a piece of, of artificial sponge that was dry. They put it in the toaster. Dry. And it's it dry. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And uh, and uh, I don't use the old elephant ear sponge that they that they used to use years ago because it has to be sewed in pieces and it's uneven. Yeah. You don't get a good connection. There's two. The, the resistance varies all over the place. Right. Well, I use artificial sponge. And it's uniform. It's 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 about a quarter of an inch thickness, and it's uniform, so you mm-hmm. don't get any burning or anything. Yeah, resistance is the same, and it goes through evenly. It's when things aren't even and yeah. the resistance is varied that you have problems. Right. And uh, yeah, and so the, the, uh, I stopped the executions in Florida for five months. A woman judge, uh, and uh, they replaced her with a good old boy. Okay. We went back down again, and uh, and uh, he allowed the executions to continue because the Department of Correction had made repairs. The repairs were they spent $150,000 running a new cable into the death house. Okay. They needed to buy a helmet, which I would have sold them for $800, right. and a leg stock that they could have screwed to the chair for $1,200. Right. So for just about $2,000, they would have they uh, had a good system. Right, but, but no, they, they, they spent one hundred fifty thousand dollars for what? Just a new cable? Cable, yeah, a thicker but cable. They, yeah, no, uh, I, uh, they just they ran a new cable in, and they said to the judge, "We fixed it now. Yeah. Here's our bill." Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. The judge was one of those good old boys that didn't yeah. know electricity from uh, from yeah, uh, yeah. from uh, a no. still from a still yeah. out in the woods, <laughs> right? Right. So yeah, yeah. But, yeah so uh, and uh, I mean, but. Even after they did that, they still had botched executions. Of course, of course. And, and wow. you know, and the the question that people ask: Why doesn't, why didn't with any of the executions they have, why didn't uh, uh, Jesse Taparo scream hmm. when they when the voltage well, he probably dropped had no I, control of his vocal cords. Well, they make damn sure because what they got is they got a big leather bit that they put in your mouth and it's strapped oh, around your head so you well. can't holler. All right. Okay. So the, yeah. judge asked, the judge asked me, why didn't he make any noise? I says, she says, wait a minute. What did you say? And I told her, I said, well, I says, I said, you got to understand that the last 30 people I executed had that same thing in their mouth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so right. everybody gets the same mouthful. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. Amazing, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so so basically, your uh, work at at Auschwitz and you know with the gas so called gas chambers, right, uh, got you, uh, you you all your life long. You had uh, you know pr- growing problems with the Jews, and now you're persona non grata with the Jews. Now, what what is the current status with the, the Holocaust propaganda? That uh, I mean, you're obviously considered a Holocaust denier, right? 
Is that what they consider yeah. you to be? Yes. And I tell them I'm not a Holocaust denier. I'm a truth sayer. Yeah, right. a truth sayer. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Very good. You know, yeah, and um, that's exactly it. I, I'm not grinding an axe. I don't have any prior background in being anti, anti-Jew, anti-Zionist, mm-hmm. anything. I learned the hard way. Yeah. I'm anti-Zionist today, and uh, I'm anti-Zionist because of what they did to me. Sure. And because of the fact they have no compunction, they they'll they'll torture every execution, every ex executee they that comes along, as long as they can discredit me in the process. Right. Right. These people are not responsible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, so, uh, so 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 starting with uh, um, Eisenhower. Who uh, you know, showed? Uh, who tried to get uh, Patton to uh, go into a, a Jewish ghetto uh, you know, dormitory at, at whatever whatever camp it was? What, is there? Any, have you ever? Has a Jew ever apologized to you for all of the garbage they put you through? Nope. No. Nope. But I'll tell you what they did do. I got a call when I was about three or four months into my trial. Uh, I got a call from a Jewish gentleman who lived in Los Angeles, and he called up and he says, I, I, I wanted to talk to you and apologize for what we Jews are doing to you. Mm. He says, you're being persecuted. He says, we were, be, we were persecuted by the Nazis. Oh, he says, we're oh doing, really? Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. he, and, and he said, we are doing the same thing to you. And he says, we have no right to do that. He says, but you still are a despicable person. And I said, well, wait a minute, back up a minute. Why am I a despicable person? He says, because you made all those gas chambers. What? And I said, what, what gas chambers did I make? Uh, he says, all the ones at Auschwitz. I said, what are you talking <laughs> you, about? You, you made them? Okay. Yeah, I said, what are, you, what are you talking about? I said, I was born in 1943. He said, oh, my God. He says, I'm older than you. I said, so what? I said, I, I said, who told you I made the gas chambers at Auschwitz? He said, I got a white paper from the B'nai B'rith. Uh, I said, would you send me a copy of the white paper? Yeah. I was going to sue him. Right. I would have, you know. I, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would have been a good lawsuit. Yeah, it sure would have. Yeah, but what happened? He said, I, I, I can't do that. I'm afraid to send it to you. And he hung up on me. Right. Yeah, so that's well, the kind of propaganda they put out. That's right. You never know. I, I, they're they're spreading lies about you constantly. You don't even know right. what they are. You know. I, I you told find them, out I about told them. It. Yeah. I, I said I, I told them I must have been a very precocious child if I was building gas chambers <laughs> at one I was years born. Old. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh. Yeah. It, it's it's incredible. See, and the vast majority of people, especially the Judeo-Christian and just about all Christians, except those of us in identity, and there's a few, you know, regular Christians who are Jew savvy, but not too many. Right. Not too many. They're not really Christians. Yeah, I agree. They're not really you know, Christians. These, uh, uh, these, uh, 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 what you call the Judeo Christians, these these ev- evangelical Christians, some people call them. Uh, they don't accept the the uh, uh, the uh, the uh, the new covenant. Right. You can't be a Christian if you don't accept the new covenant. Mm-hmm. That's You're correct. A Jew. Yeah, you might as well be a Jew. Yeah. They support Israel more than yeah. they do more than they do Christ. 
and they they don't like me for that because I'm very outspoken, and I always when anybody ever brings that up, I tell these people aren't Christians. Don't tell me they are Christians. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, they are. We, we agree. That's what we right. teach here. That uh, the Judeo Christians are the ones who support uh, the Jews are the enemies of Christ. And uh, they're, they're, therefore, they're not Christians. They can't be Christians. Of course, they don't see it that way. They, they think they think they're saved because they believe in Jesus, right? While the, while they violate every principle of Christianity, right? They don't believe in Jesus. No, not the real Jesus. No. No. You know, Jesus. Uh, he he's a Jew he, lover. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right? well, you know, I mean, he changed everything. He changed yeah. everything. He says, he says, none of this matters. Take the Old Testament and throw it in the fire. It doesn't matter. What does matter is is love God and love thy neighbor. On these two commandments hang all the laws. Yeah, right, right. And that's what he I, – I, I've abbreviated somewhat. But, sure, but yeah, that, you that's paraphrase it. Yeah, you that paraphrase was the, it. That was the new covenant. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, it's a it's a bit more complicated than that. But uh, the the, uh, the sacrificial ritual laws were abolished. But uh, all over the New Testament, uh, you know, for example, uh, Revelation twelve seventeen says uh, only those who uh, will overcome who obey the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus Christ. You know? So the commandments were done away with, but the sacrificial laws were done away with. The Levitical priesthood was done away with, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, okay. So yes. that, that's yeah, and so but the new covenant, yeah, is uh, love thy neighbor. However, it doesn't. Uh, we don't consider Jews to be our neighbors. <laughs> they are our, uh, mortal enemies. They are our mortal enemies. Okay, we don't owe them anything, and all they do is give us grief. And, and uh, by the way, yeah, and I forgot to mention, you know, so you you dealt with this Jew who called you up to apologize. Yes. And then, then accused you of making the, the gas chambers that, uh, I guess he, all the Jews he believed were, it. He believed it. Yeah. Wow. And okay. I, I don't think he believed it after the conversation was over when he found out how, how old yeah. I was. Yeah. But the problem was uh, he should have developed a little backbone and sent me the, uh, the mm -hmm. document. Right, right. You know, because, I mean, the 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 B'nai B'rith lies to its own people. Of course they do. And yeah. and the uh, the people are also afraid of the B'nai B'rith. They mm -hmm. were afraid of the JDL. They were afraid of the ADL. Yeah, the organization. So, yeah. Zog, the Zionist occupation government. Even the little <laughs> Jews are afraid of them. Right. Right. And this is uh, when people ask me, well, is there such a thing as a good Jew? And I say, No. Because even the Jews, like this one uh, who called you up to apologize, they will uh, they will knuckle under to you know the, the pressure of the Zionists and and the Rothschilds, etc. And there's also I don't know we were talking earlier about the Shabazz Goy. Uh, oh, I forgot the term now. It was on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, the uh, the uh, Jews, uh, the organized Jewry, the OJ yeah. organized Jewry. Uh, they they use the the little Jews occasionally to do to to spy work, okay, and uh, there's many cases where the the little Jew who's contacted could be the ADL, could be the Zionist, could be B'nai B'rith, and if they refuse to do the job, especially if they really need the services of this Jew, uh, they, they will pressure that Jew 
And if even if he thinks he's uh, you know a, a nice person, you, you want it, it, cyanum. Thank you, Captain. That these are called cyanum. And uh, if they, if you won't do the job, they will persecute you. Or, or yes. if they're lucky, they'll find a guy, a Jew, who will do the job. Okay, so you're never off the hook. If you're a Jew, uh, you you will be persecuted just like a Gentile, just like a non-Jew, until they get to you. And th- this right. is the nature of that religion. It's the nature of that culture. It's evil. It's pure evil. Well, they haven't gotten to us. Good. And they're not going to get to us, right? Because we we're in a very unique position, as I as I've said before, and I think you know how I feel. We we are in the end of times. Oh, that's right. Yeah. How long how long the end of times is going to be? We won't know. Only God knows. But we're here to fight a delaying action. We're holding these Jew bastards back. That's right. Yes, so we are. Michael, so Michael comes with the army. Yeah, and the Second Amendment. <laughs> if it weren't for the Second Amendment, they would have That's taken right. us over by now. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. We can thank our founding fathers. Yeah, that. amen, amen. Who were Christians, by the way, real Christians. Yes. All right? Yeah, they, they weren't these uh, milk toast Christians that we're talking about today. No. Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, probably... The Judeo-Christian ministry and their spineless backbone preachers are, are more responsible for the decline of America than even the politicians. Right. Because you found out that there's an occasional good judge. In fact, you had several good women judges back you up. Yeah. Where the good old boys, you know, well, you know they play the game. They play the game. So, but uh, I don't know if you'll find a judge like that anymore today. I think uh, most of them have been bought off or, or are Jews themselves. Wow. Right? right? So, have you had yeah, any other le- legal dealings with Jews other than this, uh, you know, uh, this, this uh, execution stuff and, of course, the, the Auschwitz stuff? So, oh, oh, actually, that reminds me now because we had talked about. Uh, the, uh, in uh, who was the guy uh, who wrote uh, the, uh, what's his name now? Uh, I guess your competitor <laughs> uh, who, who uh, wrote uh, wrote books about the gas chambers. Did he did he copy your work? Uh, or yeah, your, your work was the original gas chamber work, right? But there was a chemist. You're you're an engineer. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Pressac. Who? Pressac. Okay, we well, yeah, talk about that. So, uh, yeah, actually, Pre- somebody else, but the subject matter might be the same. So, what did Presak do? He, he uh... Uh, Presak was not a chemist. Oh, uh, yeah. We have to be careful with the term. In Europe, okay. a chemist is a druggist. Oh, okay. He was a druggist. Now he understands chemistry because he's a druggist. Okay. Uh, the the uh, the Clausewitz grabbed him. The who? And, oh, uh, the Klausfelds. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yes. Now, it's interesting, but but uh, Presak was a revisionist. He didn't believe there were gas chambers. Ah. And uh, and the the uh, Klausfelds, when they came after me, they took, they hired him. I don't know how they got him to do it, but they hired him, and they said, we want you to prove that Lucha was wrong. Mm-hmm. Okay. They they So they gave them the Loyster Report. He read the Loyster Report, and... Uh, he wrote this book that said I was wrong. Well, uh, 
one of my reports dealt with that. Ernst Sundel gave it to me, and uh, and uh, Ernst uh, wanted me to write a report. And I got back to him. I said, Ernst, I said, this doesn't warrant a report in the sense of what I've done before as a narrative. I said, what I want to do with this is do a point-by-point discussion of where he's wrong. Okay. And item one, two, three, four, and that's what I did. Right. And uh, you know what happened? Pressac read it, and he recanted. He said, Fred's right. (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding. Yes. Outstanding. Yeah. Right. No, actually, the the, the person I was thinking was Germar Rudolph. Who, oh. uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, so did you ever have any dealings with Germar? Oh, yeah, I, I know Germar well. Uh, okay. Germar was uh, working for his doctorate degree at Max Planck in chemistry. Right. And uh, he heard about me, and he, he thought I was wacky. Right? <laughs> okay. So Wacky loiter. <laughs> yeah, he decided right. to investigate it. He investigated it, and... He found out I was right. Okay. And that's where his trouble started. They that's ruined right. his life. Sure. And sure. you know, uh, there's some there's some discrepancies between his opinion and my opinion, but the problem and people have pointed them out. But what people don't understand is this: he's a chemist mm-hmm. and a PhD. He's an egghead. He okay. lived in an ivory tower, and he never built anything in his entire life. Okay, so a theoretical theoretical chemist. Yeah. Put it that yes. way. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm, and and he's very very knowledgeable. He's, yes. He's right in everything he said, but uh, I'm a I'm a right. mechanical person. I build things. Yeah. And okay. I approach everything from a different standpoint. Yeah, and you electrocute and chemists. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> right. that's that's what that's what Zundel wanted. Zundel wanted. A person who could question the ability of what was there to function as an execution facility. Right. Okay. And I told and I told him, I said, I am also going to take samples. I said, we'll take a control sample from from the uh, from the uh, the lousing facility, which is out in a boonies all by itself, with a stack yeah. on it. Okay, uh, not in the center of the camp where they're going to kill people, and. Uh, the uh, and uh, yeah. I said, but all of the samples that I took, when I sent to the lab and they come back, I said that's all frosting for your cake, mm-hmm. because that's not what I was supposed to be doing. What I was supposed to be doing is is proving whether or not those things were or were not gas chambers. Right. After I got done proving they couldn't have been gas chambers, now I said to back this up, this is what we got for chemical results, right. and that proves it. Yes. Okay. So, so he did a chemistry analysis, which, right. as right. I recall, the Zyklon B gas is supposed to leave a blue residue on mortar. Have I got that right? It, 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 yeah, it does. It, okay. it, what happens is what what happens, and it, it's very unique in Poland. That's why it's very blue. Uh, the uh, the Polish water. Oh, has has a high iron content. Okay. Because, uh, and most of the area where this was done, most of these camps were built in swamps, very low water level. Right, right. That's why the, that's why these so-called burning pits didn't work because they would have been underwater. And you right, that's right. Yeah, it's a two water. foot two foot water table. You dig two right. feet, you get right. water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, 
the 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 cyanide gas, the 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 uh, hydrogen cyanide migrates right through the right through the brick and mortar from one side of the wall to the other. So you get really. On so both you get, side. yes. Okay, so yes. this is like uh, efflorescence. It actually yeah, it, starts precipitating on yeah. the outside of the wall. Usually, yeah. uh, other usually it's on yeah. the inside of the wall from yeah. the outside. Right, but it, okay. it goes right through. Now, wow. now Prussian Prussian blue is a dye, and that's how it's made. It's made with with hydrogen cyanide gas. Hmm. Okay, and what? Yeah, and uh, yes. So uh, I mean, that's why it's blue. Right. Because it, it was used traditionally as as uh, as uh, it was used traditionally as a to dye. dye. Yeah, to dye yes. clothing and stuff. But, right. Okay. But it's a very permanent dye. When when with the iron and the water and the mortar and the brick had mortar between it, that was all loaded with iron. Right. When hydrogen cyanide comes in contact with iron, it forms a very permanent bond of ferrous ferro. Mm. Cyanide. That's okay. the chemical description. Now, my description isn't used by by uh, uh, Gamma because okay. I was trained by a gentleman named Lindsay. I'm not a chemist. Okay. He was the head. He was the head of the Dupont hydrogen oh. cyanide facility. Oh, okay. He ought to know. <laughs> right. Yeah, he ought to know. But, yeah. but he went to he went to school 50 years before Gamma. Okay. Yeah. Terminologies changed. Right. Ferric ferrocyanide is what they talked about in 1940, yeah. 1930. Okay. Yeah. But at any rate, it's very permanent. It'll be there for a thousand or two thousand years. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So that's 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 right. what's interesting about it. So okay, so Poland has this uh, specific ferrous water that you don't find anywhere else. Now, what about other gas chambers? Uh, you know, uh, were there, did you investigate any other outside of Poland with a different kind of water? That uh, what kind, what was outside. the result there? It's not outside of Poland. Oh, only uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, because there's really none inside of Poland either. Right. Dachau, we know, was a was built by Eisenhower, and right. Hartheim Castle and uh, and Mauthausen were a joke. Right. Okay. You no. Know? So, uh, yeah. So. Okay. But, so and, and uh, another major difference, and what you see, okay. where people trip up when they talk about the hydrogen science, when they talk about Prussian, uh, when they talk about Prussian, the Prussian uh, Zyklon B, Zyklon B is made to exterminate vermin. Right. It's used for rats, lice, lice, lice yeah, yeah, yeah. And, all kinds of yeah. cockroaches and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. And how it's made is they 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 take seven a seven percent solution of 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 uh, of, uh, of acid, okay, of sulfuric acid, and they put either sodium uh, or or, or uh, a potassium cyanide into the acid. Okay, it gives off gives off hydrogen cyanide gas. Yeah. Okay. They they absorb this gas in chalk pellets. Okay. And these chalk pellets, these chalk pellets, are uh, are what? Uh, are, oh, the what vermin eats the vermin eat no, the chalk. No, no, no. They're put into a what's called a furnace or a stove. They blow hot air through it. It causes the gas that's been absorbed in the chalk pellets to sublimate to become okay. gas again. Right. Okay. And 
that's that's what kills the uh, the, the vermin. Okay. The problem is that the problem is that that the volume of what's used in the pellets is a very small amount. Sure. In the United States, where we have real gas chambers, yeah. we, gen- we generate the gas in the chamber. Right. We put a half a dozen sodium cyanide or potassium yeah. cyanide pellets into the sulfuric acid, and the concentration in the gas chamber is enough to kill the person within 10 minutes. Wow. But it's 10 times what you're going to get out of a can of Zyphon yeah. B. Right? So... <laughs> Uh, okay, and they say, well, it, and I, I keep hearing it. It takes more. It, it, it takes more to kill a a a a a, a, light, a, a louse mm-hmm. or a bug. Insects, yeah, that's true. Really, but the, yeah, and that's what they say. So therefore, uh, that's how we could kill so many people in these chambers. But that's not. It, it doesn't even make any sense what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Because if that were the case, and assuming you had the circulation fans and everything that you could get it on, right. and you can't do it because you need at least three three square feet around a person to circulate the the gas. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you're not going to get it. Otherwise, right. you're not going to get it from one side of the room to the other. Right. They don't have enough gas. Right. To kill to somebody. To, to kill somebody job. in 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 ten minutes. Right. Yeah, they exactly. take four hours. Right. Okay. And then, that's as we we're to, yeah. Yeah, that's why we use so much in the United States. We want to kill the guy in a short time. Yet they talk about killing, uh, killing uh, a thousand people, eight hundred right. people in this gas chamber in ten minutes. Yeah, well, uh, with these pellets, with these stinky yeah. little pellets, right? Yeah, that's that's exactly right. Right. Okay. So. so so, uh, as I remember some of the fairy tales <laughs> written by Jews about the Holocaust, well, they were supposedly dropping these pellets from the ceiling, and then uh, how do they evaporate? How how does it turn into gas? That's a good question because remember these the, the, none of these these buildings were morgues. No, they weren't. No, they, they were they were they were intended to house live people, not to kill people. No, no, but the point I'm getting at is the areas that they say were gas chambers were actually morgues. Oh, they were they were morgues. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Okay. None of these buildings had any heat because you don't heat a morg. Right? Yeah, it would rot faster. Yeah. You're, the, you're the out corpse. in the Polish, you're out in the Polish I winter. I get you. Winter with, yeah. with, you know, with oh, okay. 10 degrees or less. And you've got to have 78 degrees temperature to vaporize the gas. Wow. So it's impossible. It's impossible to evaporate these gas, these pellets, you're saying. You have to have sufficient heat. You have to have a totally confined area. And morgues, morgues aren't generally (laughs) totally confined, right? They're leaky, drafty windows and doors, right? Plus the fact that the that the uh, the gas chamber was the alleged gas chamber was adjacent to the to the uh, crematory, so the gas would have gotten into the crematory and blown the building up. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> you, just... you know, they they do autopsies in morgues. Right. Okay. Right. And uh, and and after they do the autopsy, they hose whatever they did down, and it runs on the floor, and they hose it down into a floor drain. Yeah. 
The floor drain is tied into the main catch basins in the sewers in the camp, so the gas would have worked its way back up and bubble up to the commandant's toilet. Right. Killed the commandant, right? Yeah. One no, of those Germans we, are really stupid <laughs> if they allow that to happen. One of the things we did when we were there is Jürgen Neumann, who was, uh, who was, uh, uh, he was the one that was our, uh, our ramrod when, when, uh, when uh, I went to Poland. Uh, he was sent over to make sure I got to the right places, and and, and yeah. he was, and he was, he was very competent. He was Ernst's right hand man. Okay. I sent him outside, and uh, uh, he took a chisel and he pulled out the storm, the the, the grating on the storm drain in the middle of the street. Mm-hmm. I said, stick your head into the thing. I did the same thing here. And I said, hey, Jürgen, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, obviously, these things are all tied together. Yes. And you're not going to tie, tie this stuff together and have gas leak out. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, yeah, uh, uh, no, so yeah. both from an engineering and chemical standpoint, Every statement made by a Jew with regard to these gas chambers and how they're supposed to work and how the how the uh, the Jews were killed, there's right. not one true statement, and they make up uh, lies that can't be scientifically. Right. You know, uh, uh, actually, science will prove them wrong at every right. time. Right. Yet we still de- de- they demand that we believe this garbage. Yeah, I know, and you know. Uh, 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 what you call it from Canada, who wrote uh, the uh, Hilberg, who wrote the destruction of the European Jews? Yeah, Raoul Hilberg. Uh, yeah. Yes, uh, he was the expert up until the first Zundel trial. He testified in Canada okay. uh, on his first trial about these huge wooden wheels. They were like water wheels, but they were made for pumping gas through these places. Oh, really? Or, yeah, none of this. Yeah, if you get really? a book, there's, there's several chapters on it, which which is ludicrous. Yeah. You don't make something that handles gas, cyanide right. gas, out of wood. The wood <laughs> is hygroscopic; it sucks up moisture. The sure. gas will get it. You'll have you'll have we love wheels that that, that pump the gas that turn bright blue. That's crazy. And they'll, be po- they'll be poisonous to touch. Yes, yeah, uh, Prussian blue. <laughs> yeah. no, and, That's absolutely know, crazy. I, well, you know the 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 the, the uh, Zonda Commando used to go in and take the bodies out of the alleged gas chambers while they're eating sandwiches and smoking. Right. Well, yes. You know, yeah. When we do an, you know, the 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 gas okay. has residual in the body on mm-hmm. the body. Right. After an execution in the United States, the gas chamber runs for six or eight hours to evacuate all the air, right. uh, all the gas. Yeah. Then. The door is opened, and the uh, the technicians go in wearing rubber suits and gas masks or oxygen masks. Right. They go in, and and the person that they executed is wearing gym shorts, slippers, and a t-shirt. Right. That's for a reason because the gas gets gets hidden in these places. They yeah. ruffle his hair to get rid of the gas. Mm. They take his t-shirt off him. They take his underwear yeah. off him. They yeah. ruffle his pubic hair. Wow! All this the, the and, gas gets and I gotta take trapped. the sneakers off too, right? <laughs> Slippers. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then and they send all this stuff out and they burn it. Mm. And then after they do that, they spend another three or four hours washing the body down with either bleach or ammonia to neutralize the prussic acid. Wow! 
And it's no longer hydrogen cyanide gas at that point because it's coating the body. It's right. now prussic acid, right. which okay. is a deadly poison. People have been poisoned with it. They, they pour it in somebody's drink. It smells yeah. like smells like burnt almonds. Right. At any rate, after they after they, they wash the whole body, and if they don't, they even compress the lungs to get it out because otherwise wow. the undertaker is liable to die. You're kidding me. No. Wow. No, yeah. So the prussic so, acid is really dangerous, but not right. the Zyklon B. Right. And even if there's gas stuck in the lungs, they do that to get it out because the undertaker is going to, uh, going to embalm the body. He's going to slam it around on the table. Gas is going to come out of the lungs and, and, and injure the, uh, the yeah. undertaker. Man. So, th- then after they now, do The undertaker that, will need an undertaker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right? Then, then after they do that, they spend another four or five hours washing the entire inside of the gas chamber mm. out with, with either bleach or ammonia. But the Germans didn't do that at Auschwitz. They, no. they, they, they were eating sandwiches and smoking cigarettes between executions. Right. Well, 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 these, these were some special kind of Jew that, that they uh, managed yeah. to develop that, uh, that was yeah. Im- immune to prussic acid. <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Amazing. Yes. What a story. Okay, well, uh, I meant to ask you uh, questions about Ernst Zindel and your relationship with him, but we're just about out of time. We only have less than four minutes left. So okay. uh, yeah. So uh, the story you're telling, uh, just w- quickly, because Germar Rudolph is a chemist and you're an engineer, and, you're, and the story is that this reaction of zyklon b oh yeah yeah that's one, one, one quick question the you know, the clinginess of zyklon b because uh, you're, you're describing how they, how they have to clean up a modern right, facility right. Uh, right. it would have stuck to everything everybody would have been walking around with zyklon b in their clothes and their hair Right. Yeah, right. so what's the technical well, aspect there? Go ahead. Yeah. Hydrogen cyanide kills in a very unique way. Okay. Hemoglobin in the blood, uh, in the lung, we breathe. Oxygen is taken from the air, and mm-hmm. it combines with the hemoglobin. It's right. taken through the body, and then the carbon monoxide is brought out and expelled right. through the lung again. Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, unless you're on a ventilator. <laughs> a ventilator will yeah. kill you then. Yeah. Yes. But, but the point is... With the hydrogen cyanide gas, that combines with the uh, with the uh, with the uh, hemoglobin in the blood, but it ah. forms a more it forms a more permanent bond. It never breaks. So wow. what happens is the oxygen never uh, it, it never can go go. You know the blood will never pick up the oxygen anymore. So, and what happens? It's an awful way to die. You suffocate. suffocate. From, you suffocate from the from inside. Within. From the inside out. Your blood suffocates before your lungs do. Yeah, and you breathe and you breathe and nothing's happening. Right. No oxygen gets in there. Yeah, yes. And and as I say, it's a terrible terrible way to die. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's like drowning, but it takes a lot longer. Yeah, yeah. but also (laughs) what, what your blood has picked up, it goes through your veins, your arteries, it comes out through the capillaries, and it actually is exuded out through the flesh. Wow. So the undertaker was going to get some of that. That's oh why they. Goodness. That's why they they wash him down. When they have to wear right. rubber suits, masks, and and, and right. gloves. Yeah. So the science of uh, the Holocaust is absolutely, totally against all the fiction they've, the Jews have written about it. Amazing. Yes. Absolutely amazing. Well, Fred, this has been a. Uh, 
Uh, it's been more of a technical show today than I anticipated. Uh, but, yeah, m- maybe at some point uh, we'll do another interview and we'll talk about your relationship with Aaron Sindel because uh, you testified at that trial, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. okay. And th- what an abomination that was, <laughs> right, from the things I've heard. So, yeah, but, well, uh, the, yeah. the judge the judge wasn't happy that I was there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, Hilberg was coming, and he changed his mind when he found out that an expert was going to be there. Right. Raul so, Hilberg, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for unraveling the tissue of lies or the, that ball of twine of My lies. Pleasure called the Holocaust. Yeah, we really right. didn't talk much about that, but uh, maybe next time we'll, we'll do, do more about you know, the Zindel trial and uh, you know, the, the so-called Holocaust and all the lies and the books they've written. Uh, oh, yeah, and uh, Eli the Weasel. <laughs> maybe we could talk about oh, him, too. Cause he, 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 yeah, go ahead. He's an alumnus of mine, please. Really? <laughs> I don't believe it. Oh, man, you know all these Jews. He didn't go there. He was he was given an, an honorary uh, degree, right. and they have all his papers and everything there. Interesting. He's considered Interesting. one of his mo- one of their most famous graduates. Yeah, but and you're their most infamous graduate. Right. <laughs> all right. Okay. Very good. Thank you for this wonderful and entertaining and informative interview. And we'll definitely think- have to do this again. Yes, I thank you for having me, and let me know when you want to do it again, and uh, well. Yeah. We'll do it again. Very good. Thank you, Fred. Take care. Thank you. And yeah, we must. Have a nice All right. evening. Yeah, you bye too. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, folks. That was Fred Leuchter giving us a personal life story and personal involvement in you know, exposing the lies of the Holocaust. And uh, we'll do this again. So thank you all for listening. Praise the Yahweh. Pass the ammunition. We will see you all again next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>